Thank you, Lord. Um, Larry Putney, I used to have to make sure I had all the lint off of my jacket because if I had one piece of lint on my jacket, he didn't know where I said he was focused on that piece of lint. So I have to make sure I have my fly shut too. Yeah, all that stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you know, uh, if you saw me uh, messing with my phone, I wasn't playing games. You know, your, Bible, your Bible's on your phone. Your Bible, you have a concordance on your phone. When, uh, during the worship service, a lot of times the Lord will speak to me, so I like to write things down. Uh, we had a song that we were singing. One of the phrases was, weak made strong in the Savior's love. And then I wanted to, uh, and then the thought came to me, uh, well, there was another phrase, Calvary covers it all. You know, one of the things of the apostolic, one of the things of the, of the apostles is to make sure that grace is established in the church and that legalism is rooted out. What do I mean by legalism? Legalism is where you feel like you have to work to gain God's favor. You, uh, it's by grace you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We don't work to, uh, to get God's approval. We work because we love him. You know, we don't, uh, oh, I'm saved. I don't have to work anymore. Well, just don't go into work, and then you'll see how, uh, how many paychecks you get after that. Uh, no, we, we have to work. Uh, we, we work in the field. We work in the harvest. And it's not because we're trying to gain brownie points. It's because, you know, we love, we love him, and we love what he loves, and he loves people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. You know, we do not have a message of condemnation. We have a message of hope. We have a message of life. And uh, I want to, my goal is, my thought was to minister on you ministering in the authority of Jesus. I've got actually, I actually, I've got three sermons in here. And then God was talking to me through the worship service. So what am I going to do? Well, we're going to do what, uh, we're going to do what we can. Hallelujah. But as, uh, as we were worshiping and these, these messages from the worship came such as uh, weak made strong in the Savior's love, Calvary covers it all. The thought came to me, and I believe it was by the Holy Spirit, that our singing relates to our confession. Our singing relates to our confession. And there is a scripture, which this is why I was on my phone. I couldn't find it on my phone. Of course, I had the wrong translation. That's why I had to go back to the King James uh, to find it. Because my mind, because I read King James for so many years, I think that way. But anyway, I had to, you know, make Dave feel good. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
Our singing, our singing relates to our confession. And uh, in um, Hebrews, this is what I was looking for. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren. Now let me ask you a question. Is there anybody here that's a holy brethren? Because you got to know that he's talking to you. Otherwise, you'll just flip off your mind. You'll just say, well, he's not talking to me. Yes, he is talking to you because through Christ, you've been made holy, whether you act like it or not. I think there was even a phrase in there. He talked about the blood this morning. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Come on. We overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So it's not only by what the blood of Jesus did, it's by us agreeing with God. That's what confession is. Confession is agreeing with what God has to say. And so most of us are stuck on confession in 1 John 1, 9. And I, and I still believe in 1 John 1, 9. I still, I still believe that if a, if a believer is continuing in sin, they need to break the power of that by confession. That's my personal thinking. But confession just does not mean confession of sin. Actually, the word confession means to say the same thing. What am I to say the same thing of? I am to say the same thing that God says. One of the phrases in the song is, My sin and my shame don't count anymore. That's a good place to say amen. I don't know about you, but my sin don't count anymore. My shame don't count anymore. You know, even, even as a preacher, I would think of things from the past and shame would hit me. But I found out my sin and my shame don't count anymore. The only time it counts is when I let it. Right. When I open the door. How many ever get packages from UPS? Federal Express, you know, and some of them you have to sign for. You know, if you don't sign for the package, you don't, they won't leave it. Some of us are signing for packages that don't really belong to us. We're signing, for, uh, we're signing for memories of sin. Well, I, yeah, I, I remember I did that, so I have to sign that. I remember the shame. So when shame comes, I sign the line. You don't have to sign no more. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary never, ever loses its power. Actually, that's a song. The blood that Jesus shed for me Way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength. I started too high. From day to day, I'll have to drop, drop an octave. It will never lose its power. I still sing that song. That was a song we sang when I was in Bible school. 
Hallelujah. Way back then, it still hasn't lost its power. Thank you, Jesus. So, you know, uh, when I came from a church, I I was in a church and I pastored a church where the pastor sat on the platform. So all during worship service, he could scope it out. He could see whether you were worshiping or not. And I remember he would even sit up there during the, when the guest speaker was there. And if the guest speaker said something that we obviously knew disagreed with the pastor, our eyes would shift from the guest speaker to the pastor. Well, after he left, then I became, uh, I was thinking of a different word, the head kahuna. The chief moga, whatever. I became, so I, out of tradition, that's why we sit on the front row. I'd even like to move around. But anyway, so I sat on the front row. Oh, I sat on the platform. And I could see, well, I'm not, I sat, I sit here on the front row now. So I don't know whether you're worshiping or not. So don't think he's picking on me today. Nudge something. Tell Lynn I'm not picking on him today. (laughs) Okay. So, when we are in worship service, when we are singing, we are making these confessions, we are empowering that word to take effect into our lives. Sin doesn't live here no more. When I confess that... It breaks the power of it. And not just breaks the power of the sin, but it breaks the power of the demon that's trying to rehearse it again in my mind. Shame doesn't live here no more. When I sing that, I confess that, and the... Did I read this scripture in Hebrews? No, it says, Therefore, holy brethren... Yeah, stop there. Partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Consider, he is the apostle and high priest of our, this is New Testament. So in other words, what we say, Jesus takes before the Father and says, this is what they are saying. Sin doesn't live in them anymore. Shame doesn't live in them anymore. Fear doesn't live in them anymore. And the Father will agree because he says, I've not given them the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. You are holy and blameless before him in love. You can actually say, you know, if you go around and say to too many people, they'll thank you. Who do you think you are? But you could actually say that you are holy and be all right with God. You could say you're righteous and actually be okay with God. You are okay with God because he's made you righteous. So what am I saying? I'm saying that our confession helps us, not that it moves God because God's already moved in your behalf, but it, you, 
In ministering and authority, you have to realize that we're not just healing the physical body. We're seeing that the spirit and the soul is the spirit and the soul. There was a there. Was, Jesus was preaching one time, and there was a lot of scribes and Pharisees in the house. And the Bible says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Power of the Lord was present to heal them. There was four, uh, five guys. Is that a restaurant? Five guys. Well, there was five guys. <laughs> okay. One of them was on a stretcher. He was paralyzed. Well, they, the five guys couldn't get in because of the crowd. The Pharisees were, had the best seats in the house. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. They couldn't, five guys couldn't get in. So they go up on the roof. They knock, put, knock a hole in the roof. They let the guy down. And Jesus said something very strange. If you're just looking in the natural, the guy's paralyzed. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Doesn't say you're healed. He just says, your sins are forgiven. Well, it stirred up, uh, stirred up things and said, who does he think he is? Only God can forgive sin. Well, God was standing there. But anyway, he says, you know, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth, I say to you, arise up and walk. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who got healed? Only the guy. But Jesus knew that that guy had to be healed on the inside before he could be healed on the outside. Sometimes we don't feel like we're worthy. You know, the blood of Jesus makes you worthy. You went to Bible school, didn't you? Bethel, right? You went to Bethel. The answer is not a trick question. <laughs> That's, yeah, oh, that's right. You had to think about smiling first. This is a private joke. <laughs> I even forgot what I was going to say now. Okay. The blood, the blood yeah. <laughs> the blood cleanses from all sin. But yet we still have to apply the blood to, to, to realize that we are. You don't have to move God. God's already moved. Can you imagine? Let's, let's move God. <laughs> okay, come on. I need some help. Let's move God. No, you don't have to move God. He's already moved. You can't move God. Somebody said, some people would say, well, you're trying to manipulate God. Lots of luck with that. <laughs> you will never manipulate God. You can't manipulate. Some people say, well, you're trying to manipulate God with your confession. No. He is, the high, he is the high priest of our confession. So when I confess what he's already said, what he's already, what he's already applied, then I am agreeing with him. And when two walk together, if two agree on earth is touching anything, it shall be done. Now, the reason I said all that is when we are worshiping and we're saying the same thing that God's already supplied for, sometimes there is a healing on the inside. 
You ever just get in the worship service and just feel good after a while? That's because the Holy Ghost is ministering to your spirit. You are agreeing with what God has already done. You're agreeing with what God has already said. Let me say this, for us to minister in power, actually, this sermon was actually for me. I'm just prepping myself. But you're allowed to sit here while I'm talking to myself. Uh, Lynn and I are going to Ecuador next week. So I have to pump myself up. You know, get ready. You ever watch Rocky movies? I put, yeah, never mind. It's a long story. Ugh. Anybody see my, uh, see my picture of the tiger lily? I took a picture of a tiger lily. I put it on Facebook and I said, I had the tiger. And they were talking about, oh, how beautiful the flower is. I wasn't even thinking about the flower. The flower kind of looked wilted to me. But I'm thinking, I'm going I'm to see how many Rocky people can pick up on this. I don't think I had anybody. Imagine that. Well, how old is it? 40 years ago? But anyway, where was I at? Oh, yeah, pumping myself up. How do we minister in authority? If we, if we have, if we are blocked emotionally, it's difficult for us to minister in authority. If I am inwardly moved by shame or fear, it's very difficult. I might say the words. I might say in the name of Jesus, but if I am locked into shame and fear, it's not really very powerful. Right. I, uh, there's a part of that song that says, I'm free. This shame has no hold on me. For us to move in authority, we have to really be free. How many of you know that You know, they have to obey you even though you're in fear. But it's a lot easier for you to stand in authority when you know you are free. Because if I had to be perfect to minister, we'd still be waiting. (laughs) I am amazed. That's why I get totally amazed when God does something. I'm still, I'm as happy and as surprised as other people are. I just am. And I I don't ever want to lose that. I want to be able to, I want to be, I want to be surprised by the power of God. I want to enjoy the power of God. I don't want to act like I got it all together and I just, you know. I want to see people raised up. By the power of God. I want to tell you this story. It's a true story. Um, I want to tell it to you because I have it at the end of the message and probably ain't going to get there. <laughs> but uh, there, was this, there was this woman. She'd gone to Brazil with Randy Clark. She was on the uh, healing team. And basically what that means is Randy gets up and preach. 
And then at the end of the message, hundreds or thousands of people come up and the healing team is there to minister to the people. Well, sometimes we give words of wisdom, words of knowledge, that sort of thing, and people respond to that. But the healing team's just not there to preach, but just basically to pray for the sick, minister to the sick. Well, there's this guy that came up and his eyes were callous. They were white. You ever see anybody, their, pup- their, their eyes are just white. Well, years ago, uh, there had been some type of accident where chemicals got in the person's eye and they, it destroyed the eyes. And so this person came up during one of the Randy Clark meetings and um, this woman prayed for him for five hours. Say, well, you mean the service went on that long? Yeah. Randy says, God don't even show up until after 11. (laughs) So, (laughs) I'm thinking, well, the older he gets, you know, but anyway. But God told her, don't stop praying. Say, don't stop praying. Say, God told her. So, for five hours, she prayed, and then the bus was leaving. Well, when the bus leaves, you better go with it, or you're going to have to find your way back. So, she left. Got up the next day, went home to America. Three days later, say three days. He wakes up with new eyes he can see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes you're ministering and you don't see anything happen. That doesn't mean nothing's happening. The Lord told her, don't stop praying. Apparently something was happening. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Let me tell you another secret. Sometimes a person will come up for something and it's a, it's a legitimate need. And so they're focused on that need that you're praying for because they asked for it. But, I, but in, in when I'm ministering to, to people, I say, do you sense anything in your body anywhere? Say anywhere. The reason I say anywhere, because the Holy Spirit might not be ministering on the thing they asked for. He could be ministering on something else. So I say, do you sense anything anywhere? Well, you know, people say, no, I don't sense that pain leaving where I asked you to pray for. I don't sense that. I don't, I don't sense anything happening there. I didn't ask you whether you sensed anything happening there. I said, do you feel anything anywhere in your body? And it could be a tickle. It doesn't have to be something big. Do you remember Elijah? Elisha. Elijah. The guy that went up and prayed on Mount Carmel, Elijah. He's up on Mount Carmel and he's praying and he sends, I think it's Gehazi, he sends his servant, say, go look. He goes and look, he doesn't see anything. I forget how many times. 
Seven times. Wow, how about that? There's probably a message in that there, in there? Yeah. He sends him seven times. Then he finally comes back and says, I feel a tickle. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> he says, I see a cloud coming out of the sea about the size of a man's hand. It hadn't rained for three and a half years. I'm sure they saw clouds before. But they hadn't seen, but, but when, when he said, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. That's real encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> the prophet gets up, goes tell Ahab, he says, get back. Get in your chariots, get back because it's coming. Now that's before it happens. Say before it happens. So I'm talking about ministering and authority. You have to realize it might, you have to be without fear, without shame, and you have to minister that to the person you are ministering to. Never, ever, ever, ever minister condemnation to a person you are ministering to. Never, ever, ever say you don't have faith. Never, ever, ever tell them there must be something wrong with them. I wasn't going to tell you this, but I'm going to go ahead. Some of you remember my sister. She had been here several times. Well, uh, you know, she had been sick for years, and um, she had a, a leg cut off. You know, she had to have it amputated. And then later on, she had to have another leg. She was a double amputee. And there was a church that she was going to, and they told her the reason she wasn't getting better <laughs> is because she had unforgiveness in her heart. She told me, she said, Stephen, I've searched my heart. I have, and you know, there have been people, a person in the past that, you know, hurt her. Anybody else been hurt? Well, she said, Stephen, I searched my heart. I have forgiven. I, you know, never, ever, you know, that does not minister faith. Because now when you tell somebody that they have something wrong with them, when that they have unforgiveness in their heart, when you are accusing them or telling them that they have that, that's why they're not healed, then they are searching and searching and searching. And you know what? It just doesn't create faith. We've got to do everything we possibly can to encourage and love encourage faith in people and accusing them never, ever, ever helps them to get healed. There is a scripture in um, uh, Romans chapter 8. You're familiar with it. We could probably all quote it. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to turn there. I'm in 1 Corinthians. Ah, oh, there it is. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. So, if I am, if I or you, 
The reason I'm saying you is because you know that everyone in this room is called to minister. You might not be called a pastor, but you're called to minister. These signs shall follow them that believe. Okay. He gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. The, those guys are to empower the believers so that they can do the work of the ministry. Did they teach that out of Bethel? Did they teach that? They did? Okay, see, so I need confirmation. Okay, thank you. See, this is not something I just made up on my own. <laughs> it's for the equipping of the saints, every saint. Do you know the field, Jesus said uh, 2,000 years ago, the fields are already white for harvest. That means they're ready. But we've been, but we've been taught, don't talk to strangers. Don't, did your mama tell you don't talk to strangers? My mama told me don't talk to strangers. So we think like that, don't talk to strangers. So therefore, when we get around strange people, and everybody's strange but us, we don't want to talk to them. The best way to do it is don't go with an agenda. I don't go with an agenda. Just start talking. Just be kind to people. Just be kind. And then when the Lord opens the door, don't say, oh, if he died, then I, anyway. <laughs> oh, did I get, uh, yeah, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. So when we're ministering in authority, we never minister condemnation. Never. Because if you're ministering condemnation, you're out of the will of God. Because he has delivered them from condemnation, now you're trying to put them back in. Now, I got another thing, too. If you are ministering condemnation yourself, to yourself, how many of you know you can minister condemnation to yourself? If you are ministering condemnation to yourself, then you are hindering the work of God on the inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. Well, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, it says this, it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In other words, the scribes were quoting uh, the rabbis, they were quoting this, they were quoting that, but they never had any experience. Jesus was, Jesus was speaking the word of God in power and authority, and not only was he speaking it, he was acting it. Because in the next scripture, Mark, e, Mark 1, 21, this is a long passage because it, deals with several things. It says, And they went to Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered the synagogue and taught. 
And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, it must, something must happen when you, when you uh, teach with authority. Now, teaching with authority doesn't mean you're arrogant, bold, or, you know, you're overpowering. It just means that you're confident in what you have received. Are you confident you're saved? Are you confident you're delivered from shame? Are you confident? If you're delivered from shame, you shouldn't be walking in it. If, you're delivered, if you are delivered from shame, you're not shaming other people. If you are shaming other people, you haven't been delivered from shame yourself. Shamed people shame people. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. This took me a long time. Uh, Elena, this took me a long time to get. Because I, you, I can't even tell you, because it's on Facebook Live, I can't even tell you what my parents used to call me. Now, I'm not mad at them. I've forgiven them. It's under the blood. (laughs) But it's not very Christian. Hallelujah. So you know what you do? Shame. uh, And you know, a lot. Preachers can do it. They can shame you. Have you ever been shamed? Anyway, I used to go to a church. We used to go, we used to have a Saturday night prayer meeting. And back in the day when the charismatic thing was, you know, really popping, they had this Saturday night prayer meeting. And man, they were one of the only spirit-filled churches in the area. So a lot of people, bam, they just flooded the Saturday night prayer meeting. Well, you know, after a while, other churches started getting it too. And so this is when we came along. We came along after the fact, but they were still having the Saturday night prayer meeting, and we were faithful every Saturday night. We were there. there. But there wasn't that many people. And so the pastor would get up the next day and browbeat us, and I felt ashamed, and I was there. You know, there's things you learn to do and things you learn not to do. You got to be you got to be careful that you say I will never do that, because <laughs> you've heard that thing. You never say never. Well, I've done it my best not to shame people, but I had to battle that myself. I had to battle it. But I found out once I got free from shame, I don't have to shame nobody. Because shame doesn't live here no more. Shame doesn't live here no more. I am free. I am free. (laughs) Hallelujah. Do I know the words? Better put them up. Because I was doing it by faith. 
But he says, they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And there was a and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. And Jesus said, shut up, you unclean guy. How dare you get filled with a demon? What were you doing to open the door? That's not what he said. The demon said, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him. He didn't rebuke the man. Say, so don't, he didn't rebuke the man. He rebuked the spirit and said, hold your peace and come out of him. Now, a modern day translation would be, shut up! <laughs> come out in the name of Jesus. Jesus didn't have to say in the name of Jesus because he was Jesus. But since, you know, since we, we need a little extra help, so we say, in the name of Jesus, shut up and come out. But you know, you don't even have to yell. You do not have to yell. Volume does not increase authority. It's knowing who you are in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, he cried out with a loud voice, and he came out, and they were all amazed. <laughs> Insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commandeth even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. How about that? It actually works. I want to tell you that you are called to do the same thing. You know, you know, you don't have to have demons talking to you all the time. Besides, Jesus just told them to hold your peace. <laughs> Be quiet. You don't need demons talking to you. Why? Because they're liars. Devils are liars. Demons are liars. You don't need them talking to you. So just be quiet. Well, the guy on the radio lets him talk. He interviews demons. I'm not the guy on the radio. Well, Jesus did one time. He asked him what his name. That's the only thing he said. He didn't, wasn't asking for more information. <laughs> Be quiet. Let's practice that. Be quiet, Be quiet. and come out, come out. in Jesus' name. That wasn't too hard, was it? You know, you can even whisper, and it'll work. Because the power is not in the volume. The power is in the name. The power is in the blood. The power is that you are a son, daughter of God. The power is, is because you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, You've got the authority because of who you are. Who are you? You are a son of God. Amen. You are just as loved as anybody else. Amen. God, does, God loves you as much as he loves me. Amen. He loves you as much as he loved Jesus. As a matter of fact, he let his son be killed for you. Amen. Amen. I'm not picking on you. I'm just 
preaching. Just ministering. Yes. There's nobody in this room that is less than anybody else. But shame will tell you, you are. So they said, well, hey, man, with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him, and immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region. And forthwith, or immediately, uh, when they came out of the synagogue, they entered into Simon Peter and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife lay sick of a fever, and a nun, they, they tell him of her. And he took her by the hand and said, what did you do to sin that you are sick? No, that's not what he said. I've heard people minister like that. What did you do? We got to find out what you did. He took her by the hand and he lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and then she ministered unto them. Must have worked. And at evening, when the sun was set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were, that were possessed with devils or demons. And all the city was gathered together at the door and he healed many that were sick of divers or different diseases. And he cast out many spirits and he suffered not the demons to speak. What's that mean? He suffered not. That means he did not allow the demons to talk. Why don't you, you know, it's, uh, sometimes it's, it's exciting, but they're a liar. I got to quit, but I got to tell you this story. Uh, in my, in my first church, I, uh, before I became the pastor, I was, uh, I became a, a kind of like a school teacher in the Christian school. And we had a guy, a kid, you could watch him do something and you approach him about it. And he was such a good liar, by the time you were done, you felt like he didn't do it. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, some people are good. Some people do it, but this kid was good. And I'm not saying he was the devil. But the reality is, why do you want to talk? I just figured, uh, it, I figured out when I saw it, I just dealt with it, and I didn't give him a chance to explain that he didn't do it. Because I saw you do it. And so why do you want to interview a devil? Because they are liars. The Bible says that, they, that Satan is the, is the father of lies. That means he's the best. So Jesus himself would not allow them to talk. Thank you, Jesus. That's ministering in authority. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just say these few thoughts. We should be familiar with the prayer life of Jesus. Are you familiar with the prayer life of Jesus? Have you read your Bible, New Testament? Jesus would spend hours with God. Sometimes he prayed all night long. All night. 
Sometimes he got up before daylight, went out to pray, and then when the other people woke up, they came looking for him. This is something about Jesus. He spent hours with the Father and moments with people. He didn't need three hours to minister to somebody because he spent hours with God and moments with men. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord. But did I already say in closing? In in my final remarks, (laughs) I want to tell you this, that you will... You will never minister in authority if you can't minister in love. Even if people don't receive physical healing, they should receive an emotional healing of that God loves them. I said it doesn't sound like faith, does it? It is faith. Faith works by love. So my greatest, my greatest desire in ministering is not just seeing the physical happening, even though that is a desire and a, and a goal, but my desire is also to see that I have conveyed the love of Jesus, that I have conveyed the love of the Father, you know, you can't get it unless you go to the source. Thank you, Grandma and Dean. <laughs> and I think Melody said, grunted. But you can't get this unless you go to the source. Amen. You have to spend time with the source. Hallelujah. This is, and there's no condemnation. I'm not, if you haven't been spending time with the source, I'm not, there's no condemnation. Start now. You can do it in the shower. You can do it in the car. You can do it, you can do it in front of your family. I converted my garage into a family room. And I can go in there. Can you hear me when I'm in the garage? Praise the Lord. I get in there and I just, and I'm thinking the neighbors are going to hear me, but who cares? The horses, the horses yeah. Just, just worshiping. You know, you know, it's not all day. 15 minutes. 15 minutes just worshiping the Father. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Singing Amazing Grace in Tongues. Singing, a, singing whatever song in the Spirit. And it's amazing how the Scripture says, be not drunk with wine where it is access, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's how we get filled with the Spirit. We get to the source, and then after we leave the source, we take the source with us, and then we minister. We're not trying to get a score. 
when I go out in public, I'm not trying to get a score. I'm not trying to put a notch in my belt. I am just wanting to convey the love of Jesus. And if it opens, good. And if it doesn't, we'll try it again next time. Nancy, have you ever cooked anything and it didn't work out? But you didn't quit cooking, did you? No, absolutely not. And we're all the benefits of it, beneficiaries of that. She didn't get everything right in the kitchen, but she didn't stop. Just because somebody shuts you down, don't let that stop you. Just do it again sometime. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I want you all to stand. We're going to do a little activity quickly.